Good morning. Good morning. Oh, boy, it's so good to be home. And uh, it's just it's nothing like your home family where we've spent so many years here. Kristen's under the weather this morning. She was with me last night, but it's just nothing like being here. We've been pretty busy with churches. I'm now coaching a church in Arizona and Florida. I've got to probably go there in the winter. You know, just here my Lord send me. I don't know, but uh, he's keeping us busy. Okay. And <laughs> we're grateful for that. But um, just nothing like being home. And, it's, you know, you feel the same way or being with home and members and family members. Thanksgiving and Christmas it certainly does that for us. We're no exception to that. We had all three of our kids and our three granddaughters and one of our granddogs over for Thanksgiving. They stayed overnight without the parents that I mentioned without the parents. They stayed overnight. Here's a picture of our latest picture from Thanksgiving Day. This is Sylvie and this is Everly and this is Lou or Lucille. And uh, so they stayed overnight and they have a little loft upstairs where Kristen and the girls do their thing. I'm not allowed to go up there very much, but uh, they are up there doing their thing. And so she read a couple of stories before they went to bedtime up there. And um, right after her prayer, I won't tell you which one because later they'd be embarrassed. So we won't tell you which one. But as soon as she finished the prayer, one of them looked up and just said, Gigi, I opened my eyes twice during the prayer. Don't you wish you were that authentic? Or you just have to just put it out there. Well, the truth is kids do touch us. They can challenge us. They can bless us. It changes your world. None ever more than, of course, this person named Mary over 2,000 years ago who was going to have a baby. It changed her world. It changed our world. It changed all of history. This is a historical event that really happened at a specific place in a specific time, and it happened in a specific town called Nazareth, the hometown of Jesus. Nazareth today, I've been there twice. About 70,000 people are there. Those of you who went with my wife and I on the tour of uh, Israel Here's a picture of Nazareth, because when you go there, it's a bustling city of 70,000, as I mentioned. There are lots of modern buildings. There's a ch the Church of the Annunciation there. They talk about, you know, where the resurrection took place and things like that and other stories that go with that. Many modern, modern uh, uh, marketplaces and things like that, eateries and all kinds of things. But understand, this little town of 70,000 people today was a hick town of maybe 100 people. Okay, in Jesus' day, you might be a redneck if you're from Nazareth. Okay, small place, out of the way place. You weren't proud to be from that kind of a place. But that kind of a place, and just like God, he would select two godly young people that he would use to change the world. So let's dig into the story about Mary and, and her learning about having this child, some things she went through that really apply to our lives today. Turn your Bibles, if you brought your Bible today, from, to Luke chapter 1. We're just going to walk right through the Scripture. Um, that kind of is a precursor for Luke chapter 2 and what we know is the Christmas story. John introduced the theme last week of Let There Be Joy. He's asked me to kind of continue the theme today. And so I said, let's talk about joy even when you're going through a difficult season. Mary has a difficult season to deal with. We'll put the scriptures on the, on the screen. So let's dig into the story. It says, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The international version says virgin. Um, the more accurate translation is called, is one, it's actually a translation called the Easy Bible. And it says, 
Mary had never had sex with anyone. I was just very honest about this. That's why this is a really big deal. That's, that's Mary. And so this descendant of David comes, okay? And so it says the virgin's name, Scripture continues here, was Mary. The angel went to her and said, greetings to you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And uh, what a story, and you've heard about Mary probably in your life. But Mary is very much misunderstood by many people in our culture today. Uh, some people actually pray to Mary. They, they believe almost like she's the access. She's like divine. She, gives you, she has special insider information that she can get to Jesus for you. But that's not the case. There's not one word in the Bible that teaches that. In fact, skip down in Luke chapter 1. We'll see the song that she sings to the Lord later. Verse 46, she sings, My soul glorifies the Lord and my, my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. You don't need a Savior if you've never sinned. She was a godly young woman, but not, not unlike godly 14, 15-year-old girls in our student ministry here. Surrendered to God, 14, 15 years of age, but she needed his, his grace and mercy just like all of us do. She's not a mediator to, to heaven. We can go directly to God only through Jesus Christ. That's why I always pray in Jesus' name. It's only through Jesus that I can come to you in prayer. Okay, 1 Timothy 2 verse 5 tells us there's only one mediator. It says there's one God, one mediator between God and mankind, the man, the God-man, Jesus Christ. He's the only answer for that. So she's a very significant person in this story. Uh, just reminded a little bit of a boy who was a lot like me when he was a, always getting in trouble, okay? Always getting in trouble. His dad saw his boy writing out a letter of all the things he wanted for Christmas from Santa Claus. And he's writing this letter, this letter out, and the dad, he's always working on trying to get, teach the boy a lesson. He said, well, maybe we'll just try this. Son, uh, tell me what you're doing there. Um, could you do me a favor? Come on in here to the family room. And sat him down in front of the, the manger scene, something like this. And he said, well, why don't you look at that man, manger scene for a few minutes by yourself. I'll, I'll leave the room. And I want you just to focus on that. I want you to think about the real meaning of Christmas. And then I want you to write a letter. But this time, write a letter to Jesus. And I want you to really think about what you write to him. So the boy started writing. He said, dear, dear Jesus, I have been a very good boy. And he remembered Jesus knows everything. We crossed that out. He said, um, dear Jesus, if you bring me everything I ask for, I promise I'll be a good boy all next year. Uh, he crossed that out. He said, I won't be able to do that. I won't be able to do that. He said, dear Jesus, I'll be, a, I'll be a good boy all next week. And he knew he couldn't pull that off either. So he looked around, and nobody was there, and he grabbed a cloth, and he took the, the figurine of Mary, and he walked down the hall into his bedroom. He opened the closet. He put the Mary figurine up in the closet, closed the closet door, and he looked up to Jesus. He said, if you ever want to see your boy again. If you ever want to see your boy again. Mary, Mary is not a, an access to God. She was just a person like you and like me. And so, boy, the power that comes from God alone, she is greatly troubled, troubled because he's going to change her world. See verse 29, Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this would be. Every time an angel came to a person in the Bible, they're always afraid. They're troubled, of course. And so the angel continues, said to her, Mary, do not be afraid, 
You found favor with God. You'll conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus, okay? He'll be great, be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever, and his kingdom will never end. Now, how would she respond to something like this? I'll show you. Verse 34, how will this be, she said, because I am only a virgin. Would you please note this in your notes? The first person to be skeptical about the virgin birth was Mary. This cannot happen. It's impossible for this to happen. Angel said, well, let me help you with this. Verse 35, the Holy Spirit is going to come on you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative who's going to have a child in her old age here, she who was said to be unable to conceive is now in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. And Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May your word come to me be fulfilled. And the angel left her. Has God ever come to you and tapped you on the shoulder and say, I want you to do this? And you go, God, you get the wrong person. Lord, I didn't sign up for this. I want you to practice how you're going to respond. I'm the Lord's servant. I'm the Lord's servant. That's a really good response when God says, do this. And you're going, I don't think so. I don't understand. But this, but that, but this, but if this, if when, no. Lord, I don't understand this. This can't happen. You know about me. Okay. I'm the Lord's servant. She felt highly favored to be included in God's miraculous plan here. And so the angel leaves her. Now, here's the big idea of the story. Mary is going to find out that honoring God leads to an extreme blessing. Oh, what a blessing in her life but it's also going to be extremely difficult. Would you please note that? Because now we're not talking about Mary, we're talking about you. When you get serious about surrendering to God, yes, you'll be tremendously blessed, but you need to hear the whole gospel. You'll also have tremendous, tremendously difficult seasons in your life. And sometimes the difficulty comes because of your commitment. And that's what we're going to see that happened to her. She's going to face some struggle. For example, Mary was misunderstood. She was so excited to tell people about all that had happened to her. But since she discovered, everybody did not believe her story. I mean, why wouldn't they be excited about this experience with the angel and what God was going to be doing? She would have no way to defend herself against all the accusations and attacks and rumors that would be spread about her. And she is going to be misunderstood. And so I love the story because it's so practical. You ever been misunderstood? Man, that's a hard thing to do. If you haven't been, you will be. It's just a matter of time. And I hope that you and I can learn the lessons that she, what she did specifically in this season will help us when we're going through a difficult season, however it manifests itself in this season or any season of your life, because the truth is, that we say this is the most wonderful time of the year. For some of you, it is. For some of you, it's the most difficult time of the year. For some of you, this will be the first Christmas without someone in your life. They're gone. They're not coming back. For some of you, your whole life, you wanted to have a child. Hasn't happened for you. And Christmas is all about children. And here you are again. 
as much as you try to fight it. You're so sad, and you're supposed to be so full of joy. But you learned last week from John, joy is not some, from outward circumstances. It has to be a presence that comes from inside with the Spirit of God. So let's learn this from Mary and from God. How was she misunderstood? First of all, by Joseph. Joseph did not get it. Matthew's account reads in Matthew chapter 1, verse 19, because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law, yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Circle two words, divorce and husband. Say time out. They're married. She's a virgin. Something's not working here. Understand there were three phases of marriage in their culture. The first phase was engagement. This was arranged by the parents. Uh, a marriage is too big of a decision, they felt, to be made by amateurs. So parents selected their kids' mate. Can I get an amen from the parents in the room? There's not one student here saying, yeah, I, I'm in for that. No. That's what happened, eight or nine. The parents would arrange the situation, so they're engaged at about eight or nine years of age. Then you come to the second phase, which is betrothal. And this is when they're 14 or 15 years of age. 14 or 15 by now, the parents have had a chance to say, does this look like it's just going to kind of work? The 14 and 15-year-olds can say, yeah, is this going to work for us? Everybody's all in. So you've gone from the engagement period to the betrothal period. But they're not yet fully married, okay? And then there is the marriage itself. If they all agree to this, then they have the big celebration, they speak their vows, and they're united as one, flesh, in the eyes of God, they're married. Now notice there's no sexual intimacy that happens until after the ceremony. You can't understand the Christmas story without understanding this. They did not have sexual intimacy when they were engaged, of course they're very young. They didn't have intimacy when they were betrothed, okay, uh, because they were now committed to being married or because they're engaged. They didn't have sex the first time they went out or, in our, or the first time they decided to go steady. We're going to be together for life. They waited until after the ceremony and they were actually husband and wife and then they had intimacy sexually. Okay? So that's why in this situation, in this season before she's, they're officially married, uh, you say, well, why does it say that he's her husband to divorce her? Because they consider betrothal like a marriage, so committed in that, if, a, if the guy would die during the period of betrothal, she would be referred to as a widow. Okay? So it was that serious. And so that's why he's thinking, well, the only way to get out of the situation, when she comes and says to him, um, Joseph, I have something I got to tell you. I'm going to have a baby. And God's responsible for it. You're looking at me like Joseph looked at her. Really? I mean, Mary, how could you? You've got to be kidding me. I need some time to think about this. I don't know. And he was an honorable man, so he had in mind to divorce her quietly. He didn't want to make her full of public disgrace, so he's being very discreet about the situation. And what's he going to do? Okay? His heart is broken. And by the way, God comes to her and she shares this with him. And now he doesn't believe her. And her heart is broken. Now Joseph's fears, of course, none of them turn out to be true as God fills him in on the situation. But right now she feels the pain of rejection. Okay? And this person who most would honor her does not 
believe her and questions her integrity. The second problem was her parents didn't understand either. You see, I've never heard any mention of the parents in the Bible. That's because they're not mentioned in the Bible. You know, sometimes in the Bible, uh, we learn not just what is said, but what is not said. Just use logic in the situation here. Her parents are never mentioned anywhere in Scripture, in New Testament, because, uh, you know, I mean, you know she would have shared this with her parents. Certainly, if anybody was going to believe her, your parents, it's amazing what parents will believe about their kids. If anybody's going to believe it, your parents are going to be there with you. And, and by the way, when the Lord did straighten Joseph out on the situation, surely if her parents were buying this, then when they go to Bethlehem, the parents would have gone, the grandparents would have gone to be, right? And the manger scene, have you ever wondered, where are the parents? Where are Mary's parents? They're not there. How sad is that? I don't think they believed her either. She was misunderstood by her mom and dad, as well as Joseph. So you better understand the pain she's going through. And when she hears her her relative, who's very, very old, too old to bear a child, is expecting a baby, do you think she was in a hurry to get there? Oh, you bet she was. Somebody who will believe me. So that's why verse 39 says, at that time, Mary got ready and she hurried. I know she did. She hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea. Now, what's amazing is this was not like next door. This was 50 miles away. Big deal. Why is she willing to do it? Because God, the angel tells her, this is the one person who will understand. It's the one person who's going to get it. And so she goes there. Elizabeth is expecting a child. She's married to Zechariah, who's a pastor. And so finally she shows up, and boy, she's ready to greet her. Now, by the way, time out for just a minute. Some of you have been totally misunderstood. If you have been through a bitter divorce, you've been misunderstood. If you've been through a complicated bankruptcy or a lawsuit, you've been misunderstood. Falsely arrested, maybe you had a rebellious son or daughter acting out, you've been misunderstood by people who don't know the whole situation at all. And the more, and by the way, the more you try to explain, the worse it gets, doesn't it? It's like there's just nothing you can do. If you're falsely accused, I mean, you just thought you were honoring God. That's the worst. I I know people in this church who have been just really honoring God, and something happens that makes no sense. It's not fair. And here they're trying to honor God, and then they're falsely accused. Maybe you adopted a child or a child of another race, another country, and people don't understand you. They they they, they question, "Why, why are you doing this? Maybe when you became a Christian, you were so full of joy, you couldn't wait to tell people in your life, but they think you've lost your mind. I mean, come on, really, you're, you really are buying this story? What, what in the world is going on with you? They don't, they don't understand, no matter how hard you try to help them. And you're going to be with them on Christmas, and you're kind of, it's a little awkward, because you know that they don't believe what you believe. Maybe you've changed churches. Because you thought it was the best decision for your spiritual journey. But you have some family members who feel like you betrayed the family. They, they just they don't understand. It is really hard to be misunderstood by the people who should know you the best. But this is what happens to her. But don't miss this. Even though she's misunderstood, Mary persevered. That's the key. She kept obeying the Lord. See, Matthew's account gives us some interesting insight. Um, Mary had to face people questioning her story for three decades. How do I know that? 
Well, well, Matthew 1 verse 20, first of all, tell, Matthew gives us insight. First in this regard, Matthew 1 20 says, after Joseph had considered this. So uh, after he'd considered divorcing her, here's my question. How long did he say, Mary, I've got, I need some time to think about this. You ever tell somebody something that's tough and they go, I need some time to think about this. And you wait. Are they going to walk away? Is it over? Are they going to stick with you? So she has to wait days, weeks, a month. We don't know how long, but she had to wait. What does she do while she waits? She has to lean on the only person she can lean on, which is the Lord. And she would have to live with these allegations, as you'll see later, for 30 years, as I mentioned. People will question her story for 30 years. Before we get to that, though, understood, understand number two, Mary then waited for the Lord to defend her. That's what she did. That's all she could do. Psalm 135, verse 14 says, the Lord will vindicate his people and have compassion on his servants. Just know this today. If you are honoring God, you may be in a difficult season or you may have one one day. God says, bank on it. I'll, I've got your back. I'll vindicate you and I'll make it all right. I'll defend you one day. One day that'll happen. So stay with it and you stay faithful. I talked to a family last night, broken in tears over the loss of their child this past year. And they're heading to Christmas. And with tears of pain, but also there was joy there. And they said, we did all those steps that Mary did. And we, this church family, we wouldn't have made it without them. And so I'm going to give you now the four things that Mary did, that that couple did, that you must do. When you're in a season, you cannot understand. It is not right. It is not fair. It'll never be explained away. It'll never fit in nicely into what you see as God's plan. It won't. What do you do? Number one, she served. See verse 39. At that time, Mary got ready. She hurried to a town, hill country of Judea, as we saw, where it says she entered Zechariah's home and she greeted Elizabeth. Okay? When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb. It doesn't say a fetus, it says a baby. A baby leaped in her womb. Very significant. So again, this, this happens to be, by the way, this is John the Baptist in Elizabeth's womb. Okay? This is John the Baptist. Verse 42. In a loud voice, Elizabeth says to her, can you imagine? Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. Can you imagine Mary, after Joseph questioning her, and her parents not sure, and she makes a journey, finally somebody understands the angel came to you too? And she said, come here, God has blessed us both. Can you believe what God has done? And oh, what relief and encouragement. Somebody understands. Do you know there are people all around you who just need somebody who will encourage them? Every weekend you come on this campus, there are some people, if you smile at them, it's the only smile they're going to see all week long. They need a word of encouragement from you. Because, you know, especially during this season, during the Christmas season, have you noticed this? Our highs seem higher and our lows seem lower. And so as you get through this and people are going through these very, very tough seasons, now or any time, you, you make sure you're the person who's there to encourage people because there are many who are discouraging them. In fact, can I help you this Christmas to try something to make sure there's some encouragement over Christmas and your family? 
This year after the presents are opened and the kids go to bed in the evening, try something. Try say, let's go around a circle and why don't everybody share something great this year, a high this year, and something that was really hard for you this year. And the leader has to go first. And everybody just kind of share a little something. And if you try that, here, I can tell you what's going to happen. There's going to be laughter, there's going to be tears, and there's going to be words of encouragement spoken that might not be spoken otherwise. The conversation suddenly becomes authentic and real. Christmas has a way of just bringing up those things within us. And so uh, she is encouraged with these, this hug and these words from Elizabeth. So then the Bible says this, verse 56, Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months, and then she returned home. Now, time out, women. Let me ask you a question. She goes here, a single woman goes to a place where this older woman is pregnant. She's there for the last full month of her pregnancy, or three months of her pregnancy. What does Mary do while she's there? She served. She cooked meals, she did the wash, she did the dishes, she swept the floors. You think Zachariah the pastor would do it? I don't think so. No, she's there to just, hey, I'll, I'll do whatever you want me to do. She was probably there holding Elizabeth's hand as she's giving birth to John the Baptist. She may have had a chance to change his diaper or even feed him before she headed home. See, what she did was, don't miss this, you get your mind off yourself by serving somebody else. She could have been having a pity party. Here, her greatest moment with God is a downer for other people. They're ruining it for her. Instead of dwelling on your difficulty, find somebody else to serve. And you need to know this about this church. You are in one of the most serving churches in America. It's the culture of this church. You hear about the chance to serve on Christmas week here this weekend? You have the chance to serve in this church every single week. In fact, if you don't want to serve, you're going to get tired of being around here because they're asking you to serve, serve to sign up all year long. That's the culture of the church because a healthy church knows what it is to care about somebody else, even when you're hurting. And the more you're hurting, the more you need to focus on somebody else. And you'll find who's, who your real friends are and you'll find out that God's going to be there with you no matter what. You stay faithful. You stay, stay there and you serve. Find somebody who needs to be served and do it today. Some of you, that, that's the one thing you need to do when you leave today. today. Somebody's coming to your mind right now and you could do something for them. You've thought about it. Do it. Okay? Jesus said this in Luke 9, 24. Later he would describe his whole mission, his life mission statement. And it's yours and mine too. He says, whoever wants to save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for me will save it. Some of you have come today, and there are many of you who I know your stories. You first came to this church because somebody invited you to come Christmas week. Or somebody invited you to come in a very difficult season in your life. And now you know about the joy I'm talking about. Even in the midst of your pain, you know about the joy that comes through Christ. And you keep that joy, but don't keep it to yourself. You make sure you share it with somebody else. And so that's why the church is making it very easy for you to invite people to come. Please make sure you come to, come to a service Christmas week, and you come, you bring guests with you to a service. 90%, the stat, statistics say 90% of people, 9 out of 10 people will accept an invitation at Christmas time if they're invited by a friend. 
Nine out of ten. You make the ask. You bring them to Jesus so they can have the joy that you have experienced in Christ. Okay? Here's the second thing she did. She served and she sang. She composed this beautiful song. It's a famous song. It's based on Scripture. Now, this tells you about this 14 or 15-year-old gal. It's, it's full of Old Testament Scriptures that she'd memorized. And so can you picture, you ever talk about whistling while you work? She sang while she worked. I think she kind of wrote this song over those three months. And, and these songs just, just were words that she believed about God. Verse 46, Mary said, and she sang, my, my soul glorifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. I'm a nowhere girl from a nowhere place, but look what God is doing with me. I can't believe this. Verse 48, he's been mindful of the humble state of his servant. Who am I to do this? Okay. And for now, in all generations, are going to call me blessed. Connect Point Christian Church, 2019, they're going to say, I'm blessed. That long from now. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy, holy, holy is his name. Her heart was broken. There's nothing like being misunderstood. Some of you know that. But she trusted in and she waited for the Lord to deliver, to perform his miraculous birth of Jesus Christ through her. And so she just couldn't help but keep singing, Lord, holy is your name. I'll believe it till the day I die. Holy is your name. I trust in you. And as she sang, music speaks to the heart, doesn't it? Oh, don't you love the power of music? Oh, sometimes nothing else will touch your soul like music. Music can inspire us and fire us up. Music can calm us down. Uh, music gives us a way to celebrate the goodness that's inside of us. We can't keep it in. Many of you know my most difficult Christmas was in 1992. My oldest son was nine years of age, the same age I was when my dad had died. My first Christmas without my dad was when I was nine, and my son was now nine, and I started crying and couldn't stop crying. What is the world's wrong with me? I'm telling people about this God who took my dad when I was nine. I had to deal with that. I had some very unconditional love from this church family, but specifically our elders and my wife, and I use the words, I don't care if I ever preach again, I just want to laugh again. You ever hurt that bad? The thing you love to do the most doesn't matter anymore. You just want to laugh again. Abraham Lincoln, when his son died, said, I, I think I'll never smile again. The pain of that is incredible. However, you experience a loss sometimes. And so all you can do is sing what you believe about the Lord. And I'll tell you, the thing that got me through the middle of the night when I was grieving was music and worship music. I couldn't even preach on Christmas Eve. I'd written the message. Church was thriving and growing. We had an associate minister named Lynn Coleman. How many remember that? These are the old people. See him around here? Remember Lynn? I had, had Lynn come over to the house. I handed him my sermon. I said, read it word for word. Don't blow it. Because I couldn't deliver it. Can you imagine that? What do you do when you hurt that bad? Sometimes you just have to sing or just hear words that you know are true. You believe it with all of your heart. And you express it to God. And she's waiting. That's all she can do is worship God. And when you're in this place, if all you can do is worship God, you stay on your face before God. The third thing she did was she stayed right where she was. In other words, after Elizabeth had her baby, she goes back home. This is really significant. 
Verse 56, Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months, and then she returned home. Let me ask you, was this easy or difficult for her to go home? Well, she, she knew, I mean, you know, she was welcome. She was needed there, but now she's going home where if Joseph didn't believe her, her parents didn't. Oh, man. The rumors were flying high. She knew about it. People were pointing fingers. Gossip was spreading. She was the item. And this would go on for 30 years. Now, you said you mentioned that two or three times. What do you mean this will go on for 30 years? Let me show you one time what they said to Jesus in his ministry. In Luke chapter 8, verse 41, they said, we're not illegitimate children. For Jesus' whole life, they still kept saying, this virgin birth thing, that's a bunch of hogwash. That's baloney. So every time people, some people saw Mary, they would, she could see him doing this. Yes, she's, yes, she's the one who had the child out of wedlock. Yeah, she's the one. Blamed it on God, right? Oh, yeah. Her whole life. Would have been easy to run away, wouldn't it? She stayed in her hometown. She stayed with it. And it is tempting for you to run away to get a fresh start sometimes when you're hurting. And Kevin County just say once in a while that may be the right thing to do. I've been told before. When someone's addicted, perhaps, a real strong addictive drug, sometimes the only way to make a clean start is to, to move and get away from the bad influences in their lives, sometimes. That's not usually the answer, but sometimes it is. The reason it's not usually the answer, because when you, can't, when you run away, you can't run away from yourself. And you can't run away from God. So you stay where you are, and you stay faithful, and you do what you need to do. You tough it out. Lee Ezel did that. She was 17 years old when she was raped. Terrible thing to happen to a 17-year-old. But then she also found out she was pregnant from the rape. That hardly ever happens, by the way. Very rare. But it happened to her. And so in her book, The Missing Piece, she writes about this story. Her mother was an alcoholic. She had just become a Christian, thankfully. But her mother said, you just get out of town till this is done. Many people did it years ago. Just get out of town till this is done, you, you come back. Okay? Other people said, you need to abort this child. You didn't want to have this child, and it's not your fault. Everybody understand, you abort the baby. But she, she read the Bible at that point in her life, and she came to Psalm 139, verse 13. You created my inmost being. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in this secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth. And she realized... This was a baby inside of her. This person inside of her was valuable to God. And she decided she would not have an abortion because she realized abortion will be a permanent solution to, for me, what is a temporary problem. So even though she had not chosen to conceive the baby in this kind of way, she decided to give birth to this human being and to give this child up to Christian parents who would raise this child. And wonderful Christian parents raised that child, but that's not the end of the story. 20 years later, they had a reunion, and Lee got to meet her biological daughter. And guess what? The first thing her, imagine this 20-year-old daughter tried to do. She said, Mom, I want to talk to you about Jesus. And she said, Honey, you helped lead me to Jesus when you were born. And she was so thankful, she toughed it out. And she did what she needed to do. And sometimes it may seem the most difficult thing in the world for you to stick it out. To not worry about the rumors or the whispers. 
to refuse the temptation to escape, to run away, walk away from church, cut off your family and friends. You just, you just tough it out. And you keep plugging away. And if you'll do that, you will find out who your real friends are and you'll find out that God's grace is sufficient for you and you will mature as a result of it. And so when Mary faced these huge challenges in her life, here's the fourth thing she did that you and I need to do. She stayed faithful. These four things I gave you, would you please put them on a card somewhere that's near you all the time? And when you have a moment, you just are so overwhelmed, will you do these four things? Okay, she stayed faithful until God blessed her. See, back in verse 20 of Matthew 1, it says, after, after he had considered this, Joseph, an angel of the Lord approached him in a dream, <clears throat> appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And then the beautiful Christmas story unfolds that you'll be celebrating over the next few weeks together. Can I say to, to you this weekend, in this difficult season, or whenever you're in your difficult season, in Mary's season, there was nothing she could do to make everything right. Some of you are right there today. Would you please keep trusting in the Lord? I mean, let there be joy, His presence, even in the midst of your difficulty. Isaiah 40, 31 says, those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. That happened for Mary in Nazareth. It could happen for you right here, right now. There's a song that Amy Grant sings. I love the words of the song. They picture Mary saying to the Lord, all this confusion, all this pain, all this misunderstanding, she cries out, Lord, hold me together. Lord, be forever near me. Would you help me be strong, breath of heaven? Would you close your eyes and bow your heads? If that reflects your heart, would you say these words to the Lord right now? Hold me together. Say those words out loud. Hold me together. Be forever near me. Help me to be strong. Breath of heaven. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.